Today's episode includes senior reporter Tasha Silverhorn interviews two community member brothers on their new food truck business. We also interview a community member on Kobe Bryant one year after the tragic death of him, his daughter, and their friends. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to OAN Connects. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Jessica Joaquin, ad sales slash news person for the Autumn Action News. I hope you are all well and warm and enjoying this rainy weather that has uh, hit hit our area. I went out to the fields the other day to see if I could snap a photo of the McDowell Mountains because they had some snow on it and man, it was very, very cold. I can only take a few photos before I needed to hop back in my car and, and get that heater going. It has been a nice change of pace, and I think our area has needed some rain for some time. So cozy up, get warm, grab your coffee or your hot cocoa, and let's start this episode. All right, the first interview I want to get into is by senior reporter Tasha Silverhorn. Tasha met up with community members Joseph and Kenneth Young, two brothers who started their food truck business during the pandemic. This interview takes place just outside the Hukum Key Museum, so you may hear outside noises and traffic rolling by from time to time. I'm here today with the Dirty Bros, uh, a new food truck out in Salt River. Hello. Hi. My name's Kenneth. Uh, I'm from Salt River. We started a new business called Dirty Bros, me and my brother. My brother's sitting right here. I'm Joseph Young. I'm his brother. I'm also Salt River. Yeah, we started a food truck. <laughs> All right, awesome. Um, so you guys have a food truck out here. How did you guys get started with that? I think it was just an idea at first. One day we were talking about it. Um, I work in kitchens for the last 20 years or so, and Joe started showing interest in culinary school, and he started culinary school, and through, like, just going to visit schools, like, we went to, like, Napa Valley to visit, like, CIA and things like that, you know, we, we were talking about, like, where he wants to go from there. Mm-hmm. I have more of a fine dining background, and then I went into the casinos out mm-hmm. here, worked for Talking Stick for about 10 years, and uh, during that time, we were discussing, like, what he wants to do, and he brought up a food truck, and I go, hey, man, like that's an idea that you have. I'm, I'm down to help you get there. You know, like it's something you want to do. And from there, he started working in some kitchens and getting some experience. And, uh, from there we decided, let's do it. Why not? This was before pandemic though. (laughs) This idea seemed great before the pandemic. (laughs) This was all happening before the pandemic. And then it happened. Did you guys have your food truck by then or did you get it after? So we went and talked to the person about building the food truck and, all that stuff just prior to the pandemic. Um, and I left the casino literally like we had the the schematic of the truck and the build out of the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And, and so we were going for that. And as soon as we right before he started the build is when the pandemic hit. So that took it quite a bit of time before they were actually able to get it built. We're lucky we got it. So we were able to open up at least this year, December or last year, December now. But took the whole year we plan on being open by april last year <laughs> okay so a little few months behind but oh, yeah. still there all right so yeah i've heard a lot of good reviews from um you know social media uh instagram facebook i guess kind of what are your guys' feelings on seeing all those like knowing that you're putting out good quality you know items foods i think it's exciting i don't know what do you think it's very yeah exciting it's really cool to see feedback like you put something out and people are like, wow, we like this. I'm like, wow, I did that. That's kind of, kind of, I don't know. Pays what, off. I don't know what, I think we, we kind of think that that's what's going to happen when you build it. And then when you build it, you get nervous and you're like, I don't know. Like, like for example, making our own pickles, things like that for the sandwiches. I mean, 
you don't know how that's going to be received. Everybody's used to like, you know, you got the Popeye's chicken sandwich or that. Essentially, we're re we're recreating the way we wanted that to be. So we're like, okay, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, they had a crazy, huge like deal. Everybody loved it. Let's do something similar, but with our twist to it. And it's kind of scary to be like, okay, what's what are people going to think about that now? Yeah. <laughs> you got to you got to put it out there first. So but, like, I mean, you know, everybody like loves it. it so, <laughs> I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of creativity we can do with it. And having the food truck and being out here on the reservation, like one of the things that we, we've been talking about is like, yes, we have this menu. We built this menu and people love it. But we kind of want to start changing every three months to a new menu. I mean, this is not we we didn't go to like kitchen to kitchen and learn all the things we learned to like sit down. And now this is like our thing forever. Uh, we just want to keep growing. And, and on top of that. It's just we feel that the community out here, it's nice to have something like that mm -hmm. where like instead of going to Phoenix, you have to get up, drive way out to Phoenix to go see food trucks or something. We now have that out here and we can change our food to like kind of go with that. It's kind of what our mood is, honestly. Like if we feel like doing Asian inspired food that day, that's what we're going to do. And that's we're going to try to keep it good, yeah. <laughs> try to keep it with our standards. So. All right. Um, so I guess, you know, other than, you know, working in culinary, you know, restaurants in different places and that, is it like something big in your family that you guys done cook a lot as a family? And I mean, is there any like recipes that you've kind of learned from family? I mean, we always had a lot of people in our house, so cooking was always like a task. And we'll just say that like a lot of kids growing up around. So, I mean, we always had to cook. <clears throat> As far as my parents, like, being, like, cooks or something, no, not really. I mean, I was inspired through my aunt that when I was younger, we lived in California. She worked in a donut shop and, and ran, like, the back line there for the kitchen. They did, like, you know, it's like a diner, like Denny's or something, and they made their own donuts. So I'd go there every day, like, on my way to school, being a little fat kid and stop by and, hey, can I get a donut? <laughs> and I'd get, like, a free donut every day. <clears throat> on my way to school yeah and so getting to watch her though like scream at people behind the line i mean i know that sounds weird but it's like she was just in control of what was going on and to watch that led me into like hey that'd be a cool thing to do and i think i just kind of got like a little glimpse of the world there that i liked and then when i was i don't know around 19 20 is when i was like i didn't really know what i was going to do with with my life yet or like what i wanted to do i was either an architect and i was going to sign up for like the deli web program at ASU or it was culinary school. And I picked culinary school, honestly, because I thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> then at that point, I, I only knew how to uh, like make macaroni and cheese out of a box. <laughs> like I really didn't know how to cook. I didn't, I didn't really know anything about cooking. Um, I didn't know like how it's set up or any of those things that you learn when you go to culinary school. So that became a challenge when I got there and it just kind of inspired me to keep going going through that and then actually finishing and graduating that, like, you know, you get proud of it and you just start, my career just took off from there. I got lucky with a couple of the places that I got to work. One being like Arizona catering. I did like the Cardinals breakfast and lunch every day, like for the practice facilities, ended up cooking for like through that inadvertently, the Super Bowl came to Arizona. So I got to cook for the Giants while they were in town for that first Super Bowl here. And then Tom Petty, like the, the dressing room and everything for like Tom Petty from there it just kept kind of like 
Oh, it was, it was like also behind the scenes of like all these big events that people are always going to. I was actually the guy like behind the doors with them, like mm -hmm. making the food. So that was cool. And then as he came up, that was like one of the first places we got him a gig at. It was like, hey, go check this out. I can't do it anymore. You got to be young to play that game because <laughs> yeah. you get no sleep. You live out of a duffel bag. <laughs> yeah. There's been 24 hour shifts I pulled there and like fun. But I mean, I've got inspired by this guy. Watch watching him cook for the whole family because at that point he was the chef so everyone's like oh what are you making so i was one of those kids that always came up and like stole something off the cutting board or just watched him cut or just cook for these masses and yeah it's always been kind of a dream of mine to follow in his footsteps and being able to go in the kitchens that he's been in previously and like people still work there that know him like oh you're his little brother yeah I'm like yeah that's cool and like every kitchen i've kind of gone to that he's been there it's always just been like open arms of like oh you need help with this you can do this i'll teach you this so it's like there's no reason to not like pick up everything he put down so so what do you guys i guess like kind of hope to see in the future as this pandemic kind of goes away slowly catering maybe to the yeah i mean as right now we're starting to get like calls from people that want like you know baby showers and stuff catering and and we can do things like that um we realize opening out here and the 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 daily community members that we get coming out, it has to the the catering event kind of has to offset that because we get so many community members that like they when we're not out there they let us know like hey why weren't you out there were you guys sick or are you guys this so they 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 you know kind of now expect us to be out there which is awesome and you know we appreciate that kind of response so I mean we do we will do catering here and there if you know if it, if it works out with our schedule and the days we're open out here um, but really moving moving forward our our main goal is to build the land that we're at now up to like an actual place to come to like we're sitting under this. Mm -hmm. this Vato thing here and we want to build things like this we want to build a key out there so when people are out there that we actually are connected to and they get to see our culture as well yeah um and we want to move into a fine dining thing that's like our thing down the road i mean that like i said that's been my background um and i think to break away from like somebody else's idea like the casinos or somebody else's like business is is a little hard at first, but like we have our own vision too. We want to be at that fine dining level. We want to run our food truck. We like to play with food daily. So, I mean, eventually we want to build this outdoor, like fine dining, 10 course paired with wine venue where our community members could come out and see, and we're going to be gearing all our cooking out of that based on like traditional ways of cooking. Like we've been playing with the, uh, the earthen ovens over at the the gardens and all that stuff. I mean, we got so many people around us that know so much. Jacob Butler, he's he's taught me so much about the plant and the fauna out here, what we can eat, what we can't eat, things like that. And, you know, just show, like showing us more traditional ways to gear what we've already known into that. And then hopefully we come up with something that's, you know, awesome by then. So a few more years down the road, but the truck's going to get us there. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Sounds delicious. I'll have to go check those guys out. For more information and updates, follow Dirty Bros on Instagram at Dirty Bros underscore food truck, or you can find them on Facebook at Dirty Bros Catering. If you want to stop by and pick up some food, their food truck is located at 2135 North 92nd Street in Scottsdale. All right, let's move on to our next story. A year ago, the world lost basketball legend Kobe Bryant. 
He died along with his daughter and seven others on a foggy day in Southern California when their helicopter crashed. Since this tragedy on January 26, 2020, the world continued to go through many hardships. As we all know, we've been hit hard by COVID-19 and have had so much of our everyday life ripped away. After this tragedy, senior reporter Tasha Silverhorn wrote a story, which I'll link in the show notes, in which she spoke to a couple of community members and SRPMIC employees about the legacy of Kobe Bryant. She also had a chance to speak with J.J. Jones, coach for girls basketball team Natives with Talent. This basketball team went head-to-head with Mambas, in which Kobe Bryant was the head coach of. Kobe's daughter, Gianna Bryant, was also on the team. J.J. Jones had a daughter as well on his Natives with Talent team. Her name, Nice Jones. I caught up with Nice Jones a year after this tragedy to reflect on playing against Gianna Bryant, the tragic deaths, and what basketball means to her. In May of 2019, just eight months before the tragic helicopter crash, Natives with Talent attended the 2019 NCAA Certified Desert Invitational in Phoenix. When learning NWT would be playing against Mambas, I asked Nais if she was nervous or if it was business as usual. It was kind of both. Like It kind of made me nervous because he's an all-star, so it kind of like put me in a position where I had to to learn the game and understand the game more like we had to we had to watch ourselves and be more precautious of like our choices because his girls are like smart they like read the past like off of the person I don't know it's like really changes like the whole basketball view when we played Kobe's team to be more perfectionate and just more caution of like how our passes were what pass we made next because they could read the passes and stuff. Nais had a guard Gianna Bryant during this game, and she described her as small, but long and very quick. Natives with talent went on to win that game by 10 points. Although they were unable to grab a photo with Kobe, Nais remembers the moment fondly. But we got to shake his hand and everything, and I'm truly blessed that we got to see him before him and his teammates and his daughter before they passed. Nais remembers her coach getting a call about the passing of Kobe. And she also saw it on Instagram, and like many of us, it was hard to believe. She instantly thought about the time they played against each other. I kind of just like, um, like thought about him and his daughter and like how crazy it was. Because like, it is crazy how he just passed and like we just seen him, you know? While Nais didn't watch too much of Kobe growing up, she's more of a Kawhi Leonard fan, Kobe's death did hurt her. He's a legend with five championship rings. When Kobe retired, he became a big advocate for women's basketball. His daughter Gianna was on her way to one day being in the WNBA. I asked Nais how it felt to lose a cheerleader for women's sports. It kind of hurts because, like, nobody really cares about girls' basketball, like, as much as boys. And Kobe was, like, probably the only one that actually, like, pushed his kids, like, to want to do something, to have the passion for it and to, like, love it, you know? Nais is a junior in high school. She plans on attending college out of state and possibly studying something along the lines of criminal justice. And is basketball still a passion for her? Yes. To this day, I I love playing basketball. I have a passion for it. Because, like, around my whole life, like, I just, it was like my getaway. Like, at school, like, if I was having trouble at school, like, I just, I'd go to the gym I'd be fine. I wouldn't like when I'm in the game, I just I'm just so focused in the game. Like I don't 
I forget what's going on in the outside world and I just zone in onto the onto the court. At the time of this recording, Nais and the Westwood Warriors have a game coming up, and she hopes to do well in honor of Kobe and Gianna. I asked her what kind of advice she would offer to the younger kids in the community who are just barely learning the sport. If something's difficult, you just got to keep practicing it because that's the only way you're going to get better. That's how I look at it. And my coach always told me, practice how you play. And that's how I've been. My mentality is this year. Because the last two years, I haven't, I haven't been like thinking that way. But now, like now that he told me that, that's really like settled into my mind. And I, and that's what I play for now is like, I practice how I play and I play for my family to show, to show off for my family. I represent my family. It was a pleasure talking to Nais, and we wish her and the Westwood Warriors the best of luck in their current season. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. You guys stay safe, and we'll catch you next week for an OAN recap episode. Goodbye.